All right, here we go. No stream. Mike, Max, Max, can you help Mike, the engineer, do this? Can you stream? Can you stream? <laughs> you are, you are live. Stacey, I am live. Stacey, live okay. from Di live from Disneyland, Anaheim, California. Here we go. Attention bar patrons, happy hour has begun. Drinks are our half price and it's time to loosen up from your work week. Show some love to your bartender, that lovable loudmouth with absolutely no filter, Trevor Garner. What do you know about this world? What are your future plans? Get off your throne. Get off your throne. And have a little faith. Trevor's Happy Hour, Wednesday special with Max Gale. Max Gale. Hello. Hi. Hey. You know who that is. That's Redbone. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, we're going to have a good interview today, as long as people don't ruin my show. Uh, but, Max, you know, I don't want to hammer on your, your Barney Miller thing. I don't want to do that. I want to know about you and like, as a person. I want to know who you are and, like, where you came from. And this is Trevor's Happy Hour, and I'm Trevor, and you're Max. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad. I, don't, uh, I, I might not be able to do a, a whole hour. That's okay. I goofed up on that. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Um, I, I didn't have that because um, I like to follow through on what I say I'm going to do. But let's, um, you know, so, well, I, 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 um, I mean, where to start, you know? <laughs> you look, okay, um, I'll, look, I'll do it. I'll, well, I'll kind of sort of like run this because I know about you. I mean, you're the best Babe Ruth ever, but um, that's in my opinion. But I'll just say this, you, uh, you're like a really cool dude because, I mean, you like living like in a teepee. Well, you did, I guess. I don't know if you do. Well, well I, I did for a good while, yeah. I, I, um, I had some, uh, uh, I, I bought a. You have reached the maximum time permitted to record. To send your message, Mike, press 1 at I'm any sorry, time. Max. To listen to your message, press 2. To re-record, press 3. For Max, more options, you have press no idea. Four. This is the cancel, engineer I've got. Star. This is a funny show. I'm sorry, dude. It's like this is not professional. To this send is... your message, press one at any Come time. Come on, Mike. To listen to your message, press two. To re-record, press three. For more options, press four. To cancel, press star. 
Max, I, I'm so sorry about this mess. Can you roll with to me? To send your message, press it'll 1 at any time. It'll, it'll be gone. To listen to your uh, message, uh, press 2. To re-record, press 3. For more options, press 4. To cancel, press star. Max, this is horrible. Sorry, please try again later. Thank there you for you calling. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, man. All right, Max. Hey, technical difficulty. I mean, that's okay. You know what? I think you can roll with it because you're like a really easy going dude. Yeah. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool. Um, right. You know, I... Uh, um... Go to, well, let's get back to this. Let's get back to where we were at. You lived in the teepee. But, I mean, you care well, about... You, you go ahead. Well, you brought that up. You know, I I, I did. I, I had bought it. I was renting a place. I was doing... Uh, uh, Barney Miller was renting a place that was uh, out in Malibu. It was a, a very funky place that had been burned and, and uh, had a series of... Uh, of uh, single moms or pot dealers or stuff that had had um, had lived in it while the people in the neighborhood around it had built their homes up and raised their kids and stuff. And then I I, I moved in, and um, and uh, uh, I ended up buying it because the, the land the landlady was bringing people around every Saturday morning mm-hmm. to look at it because it was for sale. And I and. And I said, Vicky, can we do something about this? Because I'm working late on Friday night, you know. And this, and she says, Well, you could buy the place. You do have a job, you know. It, it never occurred to me. Yeah, I mean, that's a, this was like <laughs> this was in the eight, like early or late seventies, early eighties. You bought the you bought the land in Malibu and put a teepee on it. Well, no, I what I did was yeah. Well, eventually I did, yeah. But I mean, I it was it was right in the beginning of Barney Miller. So, and I didn't uh, join it thinking I was going to do it for a long time. I actually got the pilot, but I had started writing songs, and I kind of thought that's where my creativity was taking me, at least personally. And um, but it also uh, led to me start getting more more of the jobs that I went in to read for, you know. And uh, so, anyway, I did uh, I did buy it. And at a certain point, I started fixing it up, and I got you know where I needed some help. Anyway, I got to kind of redoing the whole place, and that's when I put up a teepee, and it was great because all day long I was working on a soundstage, which you might as well be down in a mine uh, in terms of your contact with the outside. Right. And I've always been, uh, uh, you know, um, that I've always felt good about sleeping outside and. Uh, you know, it just, it was, it was a, it was a bonus for me mm-hmm. living in the, and in the winter when it basically rains a lot here in Southern California, but I had my dressing room, I had a shower there, I had, you know, so, so I did do that for a time. So um, when you, when you were a kid, like this is Max Gale, he, like I, I he was on Barney Miller. I mean, sometimes I, I just don't want to say that because I go, it's like, I, I don't want to make that your whole life because that's not your whole life, but that is your claim to fame. And we all know that. Well, Right. Let's say it's a lot of people know me from Barney Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We'll leave it at that. But you, you know, I don't, I don't claim. You know, fame is a uh, is a very relative thing. Yeah. 
Okay. And sometimes people can be famous for things that they wish nobody's ever known about. Right. So I, I, <laughs> I stay away from claim to fame or best. Known. I got you. No, no, no. But a lot I, of people I, know, know me from that show. It was on for a long time. It was in reruns for a long time. And a lot of people, you know, never, never, never touched them at all. So, but, um, I grew up in Michigan. I grew up in a, on an Island. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, which was like a, you know, a very small town in what they call Downriver Detroit. So mm-hmm. people know the Great Lakes between Lake St. Clair, which is a small, shallow lake, and Lake Erie. There's this strait, which is called the Detroit River, mm-hmm. and um, it's about 25, 26 miles long. And right, and there are a lot of small islands in it, but right at the where it goes into Lake Erie, there's the biggest island. The French, when they came through here, they named it Grosseal, Big Island. Okay, and they they made a deal with the natives and um, native people then, which we say oh, they sold it. But you know, since the, those people didn't think in terms of owning land, it was like we'll let you hang. You guys can hang here, mm-hmm. and, and and you know. But anyway, uh, it was uh, uh, so uh, Downriver Detroit was sort of the industrial side of Detroit. Mm-hmm. The other end, of the, uh, the beginning of the Detroit River was Gross Point. Right. And that was a highly exclusive community. You, if you had a lot of money and you weren't Jewish, you could live there. Of course, if you were black, you couldn't live there. Can you uh, give me? Can you give me like a time frame, like when you when you were there? That, I was born in 1943. Okay. My dad was was stationed at the navy. Uh, there was a navy base on the south end of the island, so my dad was stationed there, and they kept him stateside and had him run the officers' club because he was a piano player and had a band and. And stuff like that. Here's here's what we'll do with this guy. Wow! <laughs> you know, we'll, oh, wow! I didn't know we'll that. Him. That that's cool. You know what? Were you there in 1968 when the Tigers won the uh, World Series? Well, I was in college in 1968, but I certainly remember when the Tigers won the, won the World Series. Because I had Den- yeah. I had Denny McLean on my show, and uh, yeah, and he like, he played the organ like afterwards. So your dad was a musician. That's, that's cool. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so, uh, so you went through, uh, the, the, going down the river, you'd pass on the U S side because the other side was Canada, mm-hmm. which kind of got further and further away as the, as the river widened out. But, uh, uh, where, uh, the foundries and the, uh, black town, uh, city or towns of, uh, uh, Ecorse and River Rouge and then, then, then industrial, Towns Wyandotte and Trenton. There's Wyandotte Chemicals and Detroit Edison, and you know that's what was on that side of the island, and uh, and then it became farm towns, and Grosseil kind of stretched along those um, uh, those changing towns. And uh, but we were a small high school. You know, I think we had uh, 800 students in our high school uh, when I graduated, and. Um, and that's that that that's how I grew up. Other than uh, my family went down to Florida for uh, the second semester of school year in fifth, sixth, and seventh grade, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was the experience of driving down there, driving down through, you know, uh, it, 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 seeing mountains, you know, the Appalachians. Was your was your and, uh, family like always creative, and that's what made you like a creative type of guy? Well, I think there was a lot of creative energy in my family. My mother had been an actress. I think one thing about my family is because uh, they got married like a lot of people did, got got married uh, without knowing each other a long time with the war breaking out and all that, you know. And uh, 
But my mother had uh, seven kids in six years. She had three sets of twins. So my mother and dad, but she, you know, that, you know what that difference is. So she had uh, uh, five of us within three years. I have a twin sister. I have a brother two years younger. I have twin sisters almost a year younger. Uh-huh. Just three days part of the, I would call that Irish triplets, I guess. And then another set of twins showed up a couple of years later. And about that time, I think my mother, uh, you know, put a, put a hex. Wait a minute. Are you the, are you the youngest out of all of them? No, I'm the oldest. Oh, you're the old. Oh, you're like me. I got four younger. I've got four younger sisters, and I'm the oldest, only boy. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, there are pluses and minuses to everything, but mm-hmm. I, I think I got the the best seat in the house for that. But <laughs> so right. So that you know, so I grew up with a lot of energy and uh, uh, around. You know, my twin sister was the one who took the piano lessons and. And played Moonlight Sonata, sitting next to my dad at the piano and stuff. And, and um, uh, uh, my brother would have been maybe the other one if people said who's going to end up with a TV series or something. And he's a very talented actor, uh, you know, probably more so than I. But but he didn't get lucky and get in a really well-written ensemble television comedy like Barney Miller. Yeah, see, okay, um, that, let's get into that. Okay, I've got my friend. I think Tony's on here. Are you Don Tony? Yeah, I'm I'm on. Okay. Hi, Max, how are you? Yeah, this is Tony. Wa- this is Tony Washington. Uh, he he's like my co-host for right now, but I I want him to introduce himself. Go ahead, Tony. But yeah, Max, we met we met once before about 20 years ago. I think it was on Jefferson when uh, uh, Bishop Blake had like a computer lab, and I think you were there visiting, teaching, doing something like that. Do you remember that? On Jefferson, well, you mean was that over there at what was I think the YouTube studios or one of the? One it, of the it was it was near the studios, but there was uh, some kind of like a computer lab. I was there visiting one of uh, Reverend Blake's reverends for. Oh no, I know. I, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I mean, I, I know you're, you're probably maybe you're talking about breakout. Uh, yeah, exactly, uh, exactly, breakout. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I got very, you know, I. I did Barney Miller. It was a great experience. It also let me, uh, it was more my music that took me there, but I connected with the Native American uh, world, you know, and uh, because I was visible, they knew who I was. I was identified. I was identified with something that's kind of smart humor, yeah. which is a big thing in the Indian world. You know, everybody thinks Indians are so dour and sour. and They certainly will clam up when they're around people that are clueless about who they are and what 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 this land is about but uh and so that and that really uh helped me on the aspect i'd been an economics major in college and i i had gotten an mba and i was kind of interested in that lens on the world i kind of grew into that out of being a science geek you know so uh but i but uh, acting had opened up another dimension of life for me uh but i found that uh they had a, you know, a way of looking at how we uh, have resources and how we uh, share them and, and, and develop them and protect them and pass them on into future generations that was way more profound than anything I was learning about capitalism or communism or, you know, that, that was kind of the whole industrial revolution lens on, on the world, you know. And I also found a spiritual understanding that, um, you know, that 
kind of transcended and enfolded my upbringing in a small Protestant church and, and my, uh, you know, thinking I'm uh, coming close to converting to Catholicism and then leaving it all behind because none of it had things that were helpful to me and looking at civil rights or the Vietnam war or, or girls for that matter, you know, <laughs> <laughs> okay. you know, uh, you know, that just wasn't, uh, but, uh, so that was all wonderful growth in my life that grew out of, out of, um, out of being in uh, Barney Miller. And, yeah. Um, but well, I, I got a uh, question for you. That, that's very interesting that you're saying you have an MBA and I'm going to pat you on the back for that. Is that one of the reasons why you decided to buy land in Malibu? That in essence, no, cause I'm in no, a real estate business. No, yeah, it had nothing to do with it. As I was, as I was as I said earlier, I just happened to be renting the place, and they were bringing people around to look look at it. I think I rented on a lease option basis, but I really hadn't thought about that. I thought I would do this first uh, run on on Barney Miller the first season or so, and and uh, you know, and some somehow I you know I wasn't thinking that way at all. I was asked asked the land lady could she bring these people around to look at the house later on than Saturday morning. And she said, well, you know, you could buy the place. You know, I really hadn't, you know, I, oh, yeah, I said, oh yeah, I guess I could. Yeah. The, the price was right. It was just a funky look, you know, I, it, it ended up, you know, working out for me in a good way down the road. Although, uh, you know, I wish I'd, if I'd held on to it a little bit longer, <laughs> it would have worked out so, a lot better. So when you were on Barney but like, Miller, but when you were on Barney Miller, you didn't really uh, think that you like had made it. I mean, you were still going. Well, like I mean, you weren't thinking that far ahead. You know what I mean? That's what I think. As far as financially, I mean, you didn't know that it was going to like blow up the way no. it did. Yeah. Well, I, you well, know, let me ask uh, this question, but this parallels that. Okay. When you were on Barney Miller with this education and master's in business administration, you are an actor. So it's bringing like two worlds together, the economic sense of, of what happens in this world and the creative. Okay. So in that first year, instead of going crazy, like some actors do, I'm, were you basically putting your money away or thinking along the lines of a rainy day that this will run for a year I'll have some money from this, so I no, continue. No, no, but I feel like I've, I've already, I've already told that. But no, I wasn't. I was thinking that I would take uh, what money I had because I had started writing songs, which for me was a cre- I was, I was a process of pulling together all that I'd learned in my, let's say, spiritual growth, my understanding of things that are totally outside of these things you guys are bringing up and kind of trying to create a narrative here, you know, but it wasn't, okay. that wasn't my storyline okay, at all. Or, or sorry, I, I didn't mean to do that to you. Or, look, no, it's all right. All I mean, right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking back to you. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's only natural. You're trying to make a, make this a good interview. And so am I. I just want to know, you know about, I just want to know about you. I just want to know about you. Well, I'm telling you about me. Go. That's what I'm trying to do. Okay, go, go, go. And, and, and 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 it's natural to want to frame it like, did I think I made it or not? It wasn't in my thinking about whether I made it or not. I was really thinking about other aspects of life, you know. And it, the MBA happened. And I taught for two years when I uh, got out of uh, college because it kept me out of Vietnam. 
And while I wasn't that decidedly anti-war or whatever, you know, I didn't, I didn't really figure out until my 30s. I was talking one night late with my mom, and she made a comment about when my brother and I were very young and her dad, her dad was a World War I psychological casualty, you know. He was a great old Irish grandfather, but as a father, he, you know, he, he was, uh, he'd, he'd do really well, and then he'd go off on a bender, and he just did a lot, you know, he was a, he had what these days they call PTSD. In those days, it was, you know, shell-shocked or something like that, but he was very damaged by the war. So she had kind of implanted it in our infant brains or our young brains, you know, just don't do it. So there were options. And one of them was I taught. So I taught in a private school for two years, ancient history and English to eighth grade boys. And I, I, I enjoyed the kids, but I, it just was a kind of, kind of stagnant, you know, the, the, um, and I, so I, you know, I checked out at Ann Arbor to see what might be open in the graduate schools. And the only one that was still accepting applications was the business school. So I enrolled in there and I, I got an MBA. But while I was there, you could take, uh, you could take a course outside of the business school if it was a graduate course so that people could take maybe an engineering course or a real estate law course or something at the law school. And I was looking for what's the most far away from business as I could, and I couldn't get into an art class because I didn't have a portfolio, but I found a class in the drama department called Theory of Acting. I thought, oh, Theory, I guess we'll watch movies and write papers or something. I can do that, you know. I And I went over and talked my way into the course and found out it was their their basic graduate acting course that all the people that made it to their graduate school took and um you know that was a really interesting experience that was something that while while it was in my family it wasn't something i had done mm-hmm. and uh and then when i moved out to san francisco i made it to 26 i didn't have to worry about the draft anymore i wasn't sure what the hell i wanted to do but there was interesting things going on out in san francisco no, I headed out there. This is me, Trevor. Okay, I'm like, I, like I was a kid. Yeah, go ahead. I was a kid. Okay, I was like, I was born in 1966. Okay, and I'm gonna say something. Right. Uh, like, I got my dad out of going to like to Vietnam because I was born. But it's just, I mean, you were trying to like, uh, I don't know. Why did you want? To, why did you want to go from Michigan to California? I mean, what were you trying to do? <laughs> it's like, I mean, did you have any as- did you have any aspirations? I mean, did, I mean, what was your goal? I didn't really have a goal. I was trying to find out what was going on in the world and and, uh, and in my life. And uh, I had been, I had made a trip out with some of my rugby. I played rugby at Michigan University of Michigan, and some of my buddies had done one of these drive-away cars, you know, where they give you the car to drive across the country mm-hmm. and pay for your pass. And, and, we, and so I went out to California, and I hooked up with with uh, a girl who had been my junior high sweetheart and had moved out there. And we, you know, kind of fell in love. At that point, she had a five-year-old son. She was a single mom. And uh, uh, so, you know, I, I ended up going out. That was part of it. But there was just a lot going on out. You know, it was kind of like a, a two-yolk egg out there in San Francisco. There was yeah. the 
tune in, turn on, drop out of the flower movement. And then there was the free speech and anti-war over, you know, at Berkeley and stuff. And it just seemed like something I wanted to know more about as opposed to uh, Michigan, which seemed, uh, you know, I mean, that was the year before I actually headed out there was the riots the summer before the, the riots in Detroit and all. So there was a lot going on in the country. I, I spent that summer, I spent two summers up on Mackinac Island, uh, if anybody knows where that is. But it's, it's, it's where the, the three major Great Lakes meet. It's a small island right there. There's a bridge that goes across from the southern peninsula to the northern peninsula. You know, yeah. uh, when you grow up in Michigan, you, you know about these things. I know, Mich- I know Judy from Michigan. She's yeah. a youper. She's a uh-huh. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I had that, uh, a p- piano bar gig at, at night and all the, they, they encouraged all the people who really wanted to drink and sing to go over there. And, and I, I knew all the old songs and stuff. So that's what I did. Mm. But, uh, but it was not, uh, you know, I just wanted to, uh, to, 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 to find out more than was available for me. You know, I guess I could have stayed. My dad would have liked it, I guess, if I'd stayed there. And he had this office supply business with several stores and a whole house. Yeah, we've got we've got a guy in the chat room, Max. His name's Zombie Wolf. He goes, it's nice up there. There's no cars. That's what he said. Mackinac Island. Yeah, it's a beautiful spot, and a very it was a very sacred spot to the to the uh, to to native people, and then a very strategic spot when the French and English and others were. We're trying to control that because from the island you could shoot cannonballs at ships. You know they had to fl- they had to sail pretty close to the island, mm-hmm. deep enough water, and um, so it has a really interesting uh, history. Okay, but you came and, out. Uh, you came out. You came out here from Michigan. I mean, straight out. Where did you stop anywhere along the way, or you just came straight here? Same you know, way. I just came straight out. Just those, I mean, I stopped and saw some college friends and stuff along the way, but I I, I came straight out. Mm-hmm. And I, I uh, you know, it was in a sense the flower you might say was sort of wilting by then. You know, a lot of the pure spirits had headed up to to communes up in Oregon and Washington oh. and Northern California, and uh, you know. But uh, but what happened was that I I got I did I played some piano bar gigs and I thought oh maybe I'll go to law school I took the law boards because I I could I could make enough doing playing five to nine at the Hyatt House you know mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I was still looking, you know, uh, I didn't want to go to work for IBM or something, you know, I was really, there was something about my educational trajectory that really was not fitting where my, where my heart was. Yeah. That's where Tony was going. Yeah. And, uh, and these guys had taken, you know, there was a, a novel called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm -hmm. Eventually became a movie. You guys might've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Michael Douglas. That's right. Uh-huh. Michael Douglas produced that. That's right. Right. Uh, so, uh, but at that time, like when I moved out, I remember there were two books I read, Cuckoo's Nest, and I read Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, which is a wonderful history written by Dee Brown, who's a, who's a, a great historian and writer. But, you know, both of those were made a, uh, an impression on me. And then it turned out these guys had taken the play that Kirk Douglas, Kirk Douglas bought the rights to the novel. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Had Dale Wasserman, who wrote the book next, his next job was writing the book for Man of La Mancha. A very interesting write guy, but he wrote the wrote the play 
but it was a different from the book in that it was more the nurse was more of a comedic villain. You know, there's a new TV show. I don't know much about it. I just heard that it's coming out. I think like on Netflix or something called Ratchet. It's like, what is the what is the back history of this um, this nurse who was so chilling? She was like, you know, she was the evil uh, force in the in the story One for the Cuckoo's Nest. And they'd taken the play and they'd made it more like uh, that. And they'd, they the, the the novel was was narrated by the chief, this um, half uh, where he half you know uh, Native American. His, his mom was a white town woman. His dad was the chief. This, you know, Ken Casey didn't really know all that much about the Indian people up there. A lot of which I've learned because in my life I've become friends with the people that this guy was supposedly from but at that time i related more to the role of, of alcohol in the family and yeah. uh but i ended up getting the understudy the chief the guy that was playing it got got fired for you know expressing his creative differences with one of the other actors by giving him a shove you know and the rest of the cast said we can't have this and suddenly i was playing this part of this um this guy who was big, but I thought he was little and was, you know, sort of um, half catatonic and half pretending to be catatonic. And, uh, and I did the play for two years and it had some very emotional um, stuff in it. And, uh, you know, in the end of the play, why in the end of the story, you know, he ends up breaking out. And, somebody, somebody, know, somebody um, just said Will Sampson in my chat room. Yes. Will, yes. Will Sampson played the part in the, in the movie and will is a, a a big you know six five or six six uh, we've, got, we've got irving irving the indian Rodeo. boy or just say hi to irving he's listening in the chat room and he's like he's listening to the stream so yeah he just said that all right um yeah yeah so i came will and i became great friends uh-huh. i met him through that and when i got involved with the american indian movement and stuff and i met will at a at a benefit concert up in oakland with um with um Bo Diddley was the music draw, you know, and, and Will was there and over time we just became great friends. Will Will had a great science mind too. He he could get up there where spirit and science are not, you know, two ends two different poles. Right. He could get there in his thinking and a lot of that that level of thinking is a part of native cultures. You know, we think, oh they what did they know? Well they, the, the reason they knew so much about which were plants were medicines and how to do this and that and how much how well they understood the world they lived in was because they had a, been looking at it and comparing thoughts and sharing. You know, there's a lot of that. Um, it, we're, we're, we're stuck on a kind of simple level. Are you for science? Or are you for religion? Are you, you know, we're kind of we're kind of stuck there in our dialogue these days. Uh uh, you know, a lot kind of how, to, how people do both. But, uh, yeah, and when Will, uh, you know, Will finally, Will had a uh, condition called uh, scleroderma, which is a kind of hardening of the soft tissues, which affected his lungs. And eventually he needed a, a heart lung transplant. And I was able to help. He asked me to help him organize that and help get him down on a, yeah, Irving, Irving the Indian boy. Irving the Indian boy just wanted me to tell you this that he was an artist before. Yeah. So I, yeah. So well, I, that, I think I just said that. I think I. I think I just said that he was an artist and a rodeo guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, but <laughs> Tony, Tony, 
Tony. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. I just want to make sure you're still there with, okay, this is Max Gale. No, no my, see, my ex-wife actually was a third Chickasha Indian from, uh, uh, or Native American from Oklahoma. She was mixed with a bunch of other stuff. Her family actually had immigrated from Oklahoma to Louisiana, and she was actually born out here in California. And uh-huh. because of her, you know, you're talking about Native Americans. Even though my family goes back four generations, we're, we're Jewish from Los Angeles. They were Jewish cowboys that came here. Uh, yes. Through my ex-wife, through my ex-wife, uh, I got involved in real estate in the state of Arizona, near the White Mountain Apache Indian Reservation, and those are some of the greatest friends I ever. I used to hang out there all the time, and and, and deal with the government up there, and I did political things with these people. And it's, it's, it's really, really sad what the United States government has done to Native Americans. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. And they are some of the warmest, wonderful people that I've ever met in my life. Call when, when they're over in L.A., they head for my house. Yeah, well, I think that's true. I think it's, you know, a lot, it's not just the government. The government was a kind of a part of the larger um whole notion of, um, you know, conquering and uh, dominion, <laughs> you know, uh, with, uh, so, yeah, that, that struggle is, um, is still going on. Although in the 70s, there was a big uh, kind of reassertion of sovereignty rights and stuff. They established, you know, through the courts and stuff and often taking uh, some demonstrations you know, some resistance or protests, but uh, they established, no, these treaties are, it's not like, oh, that was then and this is now. These treaties are the law of the land and they need to be honored. And, um, you know, uh, so now there's been a lot of efforts recently to undermine all of that or justify it. But, yeah, but, did you just but yeah. by the way, by the way, a third, you know, human, since it takes, since it, it takes two different humans or some samplings of their their bodies, you know, but it takes two different humans to make a one new one. So we all are, uh, it's, it's all even numbers, you know. It's hard to be an odd number, um, an odd number uh, amount of Indian, you know, or anything really, because yeah. cause it's always in even numbers. But I understand what you're saying. And actually... Indian way, uh, you know, it's not all about bloodlines. That kind of came in when, you know, when we, we made deals that said, okay, you, you, if you'll give up this land, we'll provide you with this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, and so then it became like, who's, who's, uh, you know, we don't want to add to those roles. Why did you, but, but Max, why did you get, why did you gravitate towards this? I mean, it was like, it was like a passion or, I mean, what, what was, what was it made that make you like point in this direction? Early eighties, right? No, this was happening more in the, uh, the second half of the seventies. Uh huh. Just, just hold on one second, one second. Okay, just a second, you guys. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, all right. So, well, you know, okay. So, again, 
I think I, I know I'm talking a lot because uh, you're asking questions that I have a lot of thoughts about. I don't I have. That's uh, why I want to do the interview. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't have soundbite, uh, you know, comebacks um, uh, in fan talk or something. But, I got it. But for me, when I started finding myself around Indian people, I found what I was, what I was understanding about the spiritual dimensions of life you know, made me understand all that I had um, grown up with mm-hmm. and stuff I had explored, you know, since getting into Carl Jung or whatever, you know, uh, it, it just was, it, it all seemed so grounded and, and, and truthful and, and simple, and it was a great understanding. And I also found that the way they looked at how we manage uh, our resources uh, yeah, yeah. Did I get that? Yeah. Uh, how we manage our, you know, our, our, our economy. We have this idea that the economy and the ecology are at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. It's a ridiculous idea. Oh, yeah, well, we're, we know we're messing up the earth, but we can't afford to stop. You know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Right. And this is these are people who had a very profound way of sustainability and thinking of future g- generations and understanding our relationship to to life. They understand. They understand how to take care of the earth. I mean, that's kind of like what you you were talking about. You know, like, and I remembered another guy you did an interview. He goes, "I wanted to get into like you know ecological and all that," but I, I mean, yeah, I get it and. You're just not Barney Miller. I mean, that's that's what I wanted to talk about, and you're Babe Ruth to me. But I mean, that's that's who I am. <laughs> I don't know. Do you find that like crazy that I think you're the greatest Babe Ruth of all time? Well, you know, a lot of people might not understand why why you're saying that, and you know, Babe Ruth, of course, was Babe Ruth. <laughs> Nobody else is I know. I don't understand. He he did a he did like a a performance, and he was Babe Ruth, and he 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 like I I thought he was Babe Ruth. Yeah, Max. Uh, that was an interesting uh, project. It was a one one person play mm-hmm. on Babe Ruth, and uh, uh, we did it on Broadway. And the project involved doing that and taping it for um, for. Uh, for for cable for PBS actually is what they were yeah it was PBS looking you know and uh, I'm I'm moving my car while we're talking you're a very good act you're you're like you're a great actor dude well you know I I don't know you know you can you can have moments that work and moments that don't you know mm. and uh, I'm sure you guys you know have 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 days where your interviews are just. Stunning and other times where you can't. No, ninety nine percent of my interviews don't work because Irving the Indian boy comes on here, and it, and he ruins my whole show. But uh, well, let me say something, Max. I find you totally refreshing. My my father was the actor Timothy Farrell from those crazy Ed Wood films, and my dad wrote oh, for yeah. ABC Television. And yeah, he was. He was. Uh-huh, and my mom cool. was an RKO actress, and my sister was on General Hospital. In the seventies, the Hollywood leaves me cold. Max was I'm on General Hospital. I, I know he was, but um, we got that in common. But um, what I'm going to say is, you're refreshing because most of the people in the entertainment industry that we've interviewed are people that I actually know. 
They talk career. They talk, quote, the biz. And you're talking about real things. Mm -hmm. Real things that are pertinent. Because in my particular life, I'm in animal rescue since I was four here in Los Angeles. My mother and father were heavily involved in it. It's my life. You're talking about real life issues, and I really enjoy it. Well, I mean, if you're alive, you might as well, you know, be real with it. But, uh, and uh, I wanted to share something with you about okay. about the bay, but I'm also curious about that. You know, I have a great respect for people that, that, that put that energy into that, feel that connection. Okay, let's, okay, let's, say, let's go. You know, let's just do the babe first. Okay, go ahead. Well, okay, so I, I agreed to do this play. I had done a, right after Barney Miller, I did a TV series that was over at Universal Studios called Whiz Kids. Mm-hmm. And it kind of featured four, four kids who were, um, you know, Whiz Kids and computers. It's, this was like ahead of the curve on computer stuff. Yeah. But, um, and I, and, and, uh, it just was not uh, all that great experience because Universal was a whole different kind of kind of setting than yeah. It than was Barney like it was Miller. like it was like Matthew Broderick and War Games, right? Sort of that that type. But that was the era, like when they had Pac Man and all that. Well, well, yeah. That I mean, yes. That 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 was that was that time, and I guess this was you know part of the people who were already into computers and wanted to do story right. about it. But uh, and then this opportunity to do the Babe came up. And I thought it was interesting, and, and I did it. Um, the, the main thing that happened in my life then was on the I, I had gotten married, and I had an eight-month-old daughter when we arrived in New York for the last two weeks of rehearsals, mm-hmm. and then uh, started started doing the the, the play. And um, and my uh, wife, the night of our dress rehearsal, which was for the press, the sports sports writers which were our best audience because in a one person play, the audience is kind of, they're like acting with you, you know? Right. Yes. I'm Mark Twain and you're sitting in the audience and you're pretending you're listening to Mark Twain. You're not watching somebody in a play, people talking to each other, you know, Mark Twain's talking to you and you're going, yep, that's Mark. All right. Well, now you're acting. (laughs) You're in it with him, you know? So the critics have always had a hard time with that form, but, but anyway, the night of our dress rehearsal, my wife, was feeling really bad pains and she kind of, you know, she was feeling uncomfortable and went back to the hotel. And by the time I got back, she was writhing and we got her in the hospital and they thought she had infected ovaries. And a couple of days later, they said, we need to go in there and, you know, clean this up or whatever. And turned out she had a tumor that had caused her appendix to burst mm. and that she actually had colon cancer. And um, it was a way more serious situation than we had thought. And, um, you know, because, you know, I said, I, I think I need to just drop out of the place. She said, please don't, don't do that. You know, keep, keep doing it. So I did, but it was a real, it was certainly a, a, a life changing time. And, you know, they told me when they had discovered this, they said, we think she has about two years. And even though we spent most of those two years or certainly the first one going, we're going to beat this, you know, and, and it ended up being just about two years. And then I became a, a single mom, you know, I mean, I had a, yeah. I had a, a two year, eight month old daughter. And, uh, you know, a few years later I remarried and I went back, I did a, I did a show with, uh, 
Frank Zappa's two oldest kids, Moon and Dweezil. That Wait a minute, Zombie. He, hey, hold on a second. I just want to say something. Zombie, we, you know Zombie Wolf? He's in my chat room. He's a Frank Zappa dude. So you actually worked with Frank Zappa? Well, I knew I spent time with Frank and, and Gail with their family, you know, but I was the show involved his Moon and Dweezil. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's great. Maybe I'm talking too fast. No, you're not it's talking too, too fast. I mean, I'm just trying to like <laughs> I'm trying to engage the people in the chat room. He's like zomb- yeah, zombies. Yeah. No, zombies that's great. Going. I mean, if people are listening, yeah, yeah. you know, and if you guys that are listening, if I'm talking too fast or too much, I'm actually going to have to pull out here in about four minutes. I got you. Uh, uh, hate to cut you short. I'm, I'm trying to figure it. out. Okay, okay. If you got to go on four minutes, I got to figure out how I'm going to end this interview. Uh, I, I got one okay. question, real, really quick. Let me ask this question: DC Cab. I love the movie DC Cab. Did you have a great time with that film? Because it looked like you guys did. Yeah, we had. Fun. I mean, it was a romp. You know, it was it had all these comedians and and uh, who are always trying to outdo each other. You know, and then you had T and the Barbarian Brothers who were, you know, always you know <laughs> check, checking to see how their their biceps were doing. I found T a really interesting uh, guy in his own way, but, and that was right at that. That was, you know, my, our, my wife was like nine months pregnant with our daughter at that time. I mean, she was, it was right. The baby was born very soon after we shot, but it was, you know, it was, a it was, a, it was a great experience. I'd known Gary Boosie for some time already. So we would drive in from Malibu together, you know, uh, and, uh, and, um, <laughs> Did you ever go yeah. drinking with Gary Busey at the Trancus Inn? Because I did, and it was, let's say, over the top. This is for another show. Gary Busey was uninhibited, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, there there were times <laughs> times where I just, you know, just have to just step, step away, you know. Uh, but uh, but I think uh, you know, there's I I know enough about his his upbringing and things he's experienced and stuff to to get it. But he has a powerful energy. He's he's brilliant. So his, his mind, you know, on whatever whatever track it's on, is is you know something to 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 behold. And uh, you know, and he's and he survived a whole lot of stuff. So I wish him uh, well. Yeah, you know, and a great actor, great musician too. Well, well, yeah, he's on he's on Christian television now, so we get that. So I didn't know that. Yeah, he but is. he's got a bit of a preacher in him, so that wouldn't that doesn't surprise me. I haven't I see his wife every so often at the post office, and then I, once in a while I see Gary, and they have a they have a young son, mm-hmm. looks just like Gary, just as his older son Jake does, you know. But uh, what is your yeah. wait, okay? But what is your favorite song, Max? Like like well, I'm not saying favorite band. I mean like top two or something. Do you have like one song that you would like Desert Island song? Desert Island song. No, you know when when the question of favorites come up for me, it sends off a kind of a exploding fireworks thing of okay, well, no, all well, the different. Well, oh, just, so many things come up. You know, yeah. They say, well, what genre? What you know? So I there is there are a lot of songs I like and a lot of a lot of singers and songwriters I like. And, can you give me uh, like I mean, a? Can you give me like a couple? Well, I love Dr. John as a piano player. I mean, if I could play like anybody that I know, I, right, you know, I would probably say uh, uh, Dr. John 
Mac Revenac, you know, if, if you know who that is. Of course, you might I, not. Of course I do. Uh, yeah, that, in know, fact, um, that's, that's why, because I want to end the show with Dr. John with you. All right? Okay, cool. Because <laughs> that's the first thing that came out of your mouth. Hold it, G-O-R. Hey, hey, uh, do you mind that I drink? Do I mind if you drink? Uh-huh. See, see zombie, zombie told me to say that I'm drinking. Well, that's the show. It's Trevor's Happy Hour. We we like do a show. Yeah, yeah. and like and so all the I, people. I, huh? Go ahead. I you know I'm I'm sorry I hadn't zeroed in. I got so many uh you know calls right at the ending of this arc of this uh, um, Alzheimer's arc of uh, on General Hospital. And uh, so I didn't really, I, I apologize for not really totally zeroing in that the whole theme of your show is happy hour. Yeah. And so I'm like the, I'm like the sober guy that came in to buy some cigarettes into the happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I'm in a whole other frame of mind. My, my, uh, my wife thinks I'm getting groceries or something like that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Like you pick I, you- Okay. I apologize for being a wet blanket. It's okay. Maybe, maybe we'll You're like... Not, I'm going to say this again. You're not a wet blanket. I think this is a great <laughs> interview. I mean, you're, there's, there's such depth here. You know, did, did you ever get interviewed by Skippy Lowe? Oh, Skippy Lowe. By who? Skippy Lowe. Remember him? Skippy Lowe. He did 6,000 interviews of celebrities in Los Angeles. You didn't know him? Uh, 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 it, Max, he did like ring a bell. he did Rip Taylor. I mean, he, he did like guys like that. Yeah. Uh huh. So okay. Well, uh, anyway, yeah. I want to. Uh, uh, okay, so Doctor John, what is okay? What song would you pick? Uh, the stay on. Well, my my favorite, my favorite uh, Doctor John, at least these days, is What a Night. Or um, there's another skits, another name too. You know, uh, it, it's the one that has the riff on it. If I don't do do it, you know, somebody else will. So, um, uh, is that the name <laughs> of the song? No, no it's a line it's in the song. It's a line in the song. It's a line in the song. It's kind of the it's kind of the hi- highlight of the song in a certain way, you know. But and I want to say, uh, such might be such a night. There it is. Um, All right, here you go. And the, and the I got best, it. And the best the best version of it is the one that he did. With the band at the um, at the uh, last waltz, remember that movie, The Last Waltz, that yes. was uh, shot up up in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, with kind of the last uh, efforts of the band, you know. Uh, you know, but anyway, it's such a night. It's a great. Song. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. I'll, I'll, I'll do. Right. I'll do the one you want because you are you are Max Gill and I'm Trevor Garner and uh, <laughs> that's Tony Washington. Hey, hey, I- just, I hope you get by now that I don't buy into that. Uh, I never want to be standing next to a human being and have the idea the that doctor, I'm somehow more Dr. than John, they are. I, just I know. do not like that feeling. <laughs> I get it. I do get it, and it's just it's just the way it is. I mean, like you got to like live up to your reputation. You know. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, this is here. It is. This is the. You want the live version? Yeah, the live version with the band. That was okay. Here it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna play it right now. I'm playing it right now. Let it just keep, stay on. Stay on. I'm loading up. I'll be staying on, but I'm loading up my keyboard to go play some music. All right. <laughs> 
night. Here he goes. started a fan page for me on on facebook she's put a lot of effort into it yeah so if people want to check that out uh she's doing a great job of coming up with old clips and stuff and it's kind of fun to, to see that cool well and uh now where, you where know, are you going to play music max are you are you performing locally well there's a bunch of people that used to play in the park here that are they got closed down so they moved up right nearby as a condo one of those fellows is a retired shrink who lives in the condo so we play on this incredible upper deck that looks out over the whole santa monica bay from palace Verdes all the way out to point doom in malibu and uh and it's a bunch of good players and uh and we you know the wind's blowing and we're got room to social distance and and uh so i bring my little keyboard up there and trying to get my my ear in shape again. I couldn't believe I did a whole interview with Max Gale, and we really didn't talk about Barney Miller. That was pretty good. That, that was my whole goal. <laughs> right? That, that's great. Um, I love Santa Monica. Yeah, I've Max, enjoyed it. I took you at your Max, word. You said- <laughs> Max, do you ever eat at Gladstone's? Do you like that restaurant? 
uh, I haven't eaten there for a long time, but I've done many times over the years. It was a, it was a great place to take, you know, if a bunch of people showed up, especially from out of town, and they wanted to uh, they wanted to get on the beach. You know, uh, it was a great place to do that. But Max, no, has- it's a great book. I was I was there a week ago. I go there about once a year. Great place to eat yeah. stuff. I actually used to know the old guy that owned it back in like the. The 1980s. It's a, it's a long story, and I won't go into it. But yeah. really, a great guy. Well, Max has to go. He said he only had four minutes. We like took five out of him. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I've been unpacking my keyboard and stuff, but now I have mm-hmm. to go over and put it in my sweetheart's car. I hope you liked us. I mean, I just hope that you had fun. That's that's the whole key to what I like. I did. Do. I I did. I enjoyed you. And I tell, I'll tell you what. If we do this again. I'll know that it's happy hour, and I'll be uh, I'll, I'll be uh, getting happy along with you. All right, okay. <laughs> right, all right, all right. Instead of busting you for well, I just said that. You know, I'll be going. You'll be reminding me that I just said that. Okay? So you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't be mad at like at Christmas time that somewhere around Christmas time I might call you. Well, I do another one. Yeah. No, no, I wouldn't be mad. I mean, I can say no. You know, <laughs> I know, but yeah, but you're Max Gale, you're Max Gale, and I'm Trevor. Let's see, let's see. Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta live yeah, up to your, exactly. you, gotta, you gotta live up to your reputation, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you know what? I gotta say this. I am. You, you sound happy, Max. You get to look at the beach, play music. Your life is good. I, I'm really, really yeah, happy. Man, I got, I had, I have eight grandchildren. Seven of them showed up in six years. Uh. And the youngest are, are three and a half. And all wow. my kids got good partners and, and, and good lives. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm pretty healthy for a 77-year-old. Okay. And, uh, you, need to go do so, your, you need to go do your job and start playing music. Yes. I'm, I've, got, I've got my... I'm loaded up here like a, <laughs> like a uh, Sherpa. Yeah. Walking across the street. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk. We're, we we will talk again. Thank you very much for coming on and being Max Gale. All right, all right, all right. Bless you, Max. By you. the way, for the people out there listening, uh, you know, thank you for your interest, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, bless you all. Good night. Bye. Good night.